Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I am a yoga teacher with many years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to show you how to get confident, speak clearly, feel authentic, grow your impact, earn your worth, and build a community. For years, I've been working with teachers in my signature program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program, and I've seen so many teachers transform, and I can help you get there too. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, don't forget to also follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 232. So I'm recording this on 317, March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, and it goes live on March 20th, 2023. So you will be listening to that, uh, to this episode that day or someday thereafter. Uh, So I'm really excited you're here. If you are new to the podcast, I'm getting some comments from people on Instagram that they're new listeners. I want to welcome you. If you've been a longtime listener, that is great. And I really appreciate you coming back. As I said, this is episode 232. So if you are new, scroll back and take a look at the titles. I try to make them really specific and short so that it's really easy for you to see what the episode will be about. So definitely, definitely scroll back and see if there's something that piques your interest. For today, today is a Friday. I usually record on Thursdays, but it is a Friday. And um, I'm going to be covering two different topics in today's episode. And this one's going to be a little bit on the shorter side. I have sort of two really focused things I want to get to. One is more of a mindset topic. And one is uh, something a little bit more focused on anatomy. So we'll kind of balance things out. I know sometimes, especially recently, I've had a number of episodes that are very much in the mindset category. If you listen to my interview with Jill Fubister about raising your vibe and raising your energy, and I've talked with uh, Alison Chamberlain-Jones about money manifestation, which is such a huge topic. Um, And last week, we talked about, I talked about muscles. I believe that was last week's episode and muscles that I want you to know. And that one is a really important episode because it really hones down all the muscles that I cover when I work with yoga teachers in my program to even a smaller subsetted list. So if you were, you know, going to just know a particular set of muscles, this handful, I think there were about five or six of them would be muscles that you really, really should know. Now, having said that, of course, (laughs) there's way more muscles in the body. Of course, there's about 600. And in my program, I focus on about 80. So this is about five. So it gives you a sense of, you know, how little the number is, but it's a good place to start. And listening here on the podcast, if you're currently not in a training program at all, 
especially one where you're going to learn some of the things that I teach in my program, one of them being anatomy, listening to that episode is a really good way to sort of get some of the uh, jargon down. And that's one of the most important things. One of the reasons that teachers get overwhelmed with anatomy is because when it's presented to them, there's no organization to how it's presented. And I do a really refined job of that very intentionally. So it's really easy for you to learn anatomy when you work with me. And in the episode that I just did last week, I share with you that format. So you can just take that format and you know whether you're in my program or not, you can just use it yourself when you're studying muscles. I'm not gonna go into it here because I really want you to listen to that episode so you can hear, <clears throat> so you can hear that format. So I wanted to start today's episode. I'm gonna start with the mindset piece and flip to the anatomy piece, uh, the teaching piece. And I wanted to start today's episode because I, this week have had a couple of conversations with teachers where a similar theme has come up. And I always find this so interesting uh, to see what are the things that teachers are doing in a way to get results, but it's really sort of a misdirected action. It's kind of like, let me give you a metaphor here. If you were to go into a room and the room was dark and you were, you had never been in that room before and you were searching for the light switch and you were banging your hand against the wall where you thought it would be and you just couldn't find the light switch. The problem is you want to turn the light on. The solution is you have to find the light switch. But the challenge is you've never been in the room and so the approach you're taking is not hitting the nail on the head. So you're just you know, banging your head or banging your hand against the wall and the lights never coming on. And so you still have the original problem. I didn't actually realize how great this metaphor was. I just spontaneously shared it, but it's really good because you still have the original problem, right? You can't see in the dark and you haven't been able to turn on the light. So you still have the original problem and your attempts to just slide your hand against the wall is not giving you the result you want. And now I'm going to take it to what I've been hearing from three separate teachers this week as I talk to them on the phone. And that's this. They don't have a good understanding of how to effectively share cues. And so what they're doing is they're signing up for specialty teacher trainings. So I talked to one teacher who signed up for some restorative training. Another teacher signed up for a yin training. Another teacher signed up for a children's training. None of those trainings are going to solve the real problem. The real problem is you need to learn how to share better cues and covering it up by spending money on that sort of training is not going to solve the problem. That's not going to turn the light on. So that's just one example. And the reason I'm sharing examples like these, and I'm going to share a couple of more, is because I want to save you time. I want to save you money and I want to get you as fast as possible to be the best teacher you can be. And there's just too many misdirected actions that happen out there. And the the industry is sort of maybe, uh, I don't wanna say unconsciously designed that way. It's sort of unintentionally designed that way. Because when you have an industry with so many options for let's just say training, it naturally evokes misdirected actions because yoga teachers will see the shiny object of, oh, that teacher or, oh, that training or, oh, that cool technique. And they'll 
be attracted to doing that training. And then they'll spend the money, they'll spend the time, and they'll be in the same place they were before. I still go into class and I have these problems. So with that in mind and, and knowing that, you know, how can I kind of, knowing that my intention is purely to help you be the best teacher you can be as fast as possible and not with shitty results, with really freaking good results. <clears throat> this is not, when I say fast, it's not about sloppy. Fast in my mind does not mean sloppy but it means moving efficiently in a forward moving direction, not taking all these little pit stops along the way. That's not how you build momentum. And that sure as hell isn't how you get to be the teacher that you deserve to be and that your students want you to be. And that's why I say as fast as possible. So all of the things that the ego stands up and says on your behalf, I'm not ready yet. I just don't feel ready. It's not the right time. I want you to see that all those things that you say is just your minds. You can say your ego, use whatever phrase you want. It's just the way that your body and your mind and your mindset is encouraging you to keep everything exactly how it is right now, because it's just like too uncomfortable to make a change. Or you somehow believe, oh, if I just stick it out a little bit longer, things will get better. Or it's kind of like, if I take this training, at least I'm doing something. But the doing of something doesn't fix the thing. So that's, you know, I, I can sort of anticipate all this because number one, I used to do stuff like this many, many years ago myself. And until I really sat myself down and figured out what the hell is the problem here? And for me, the problem in large part was between my ears. It was my mindset. So I hired a neuroscience coach and I did one-on-one -on -one sessions with that person and I fucking fixed my mindset. <laughs> and it's not a light switch. It's something that I am constantly working on. But I invested that money with that coach and I got a lot more reframed in my mind in a positive way way faster than if I just tried to do it myself. So having said that, I want to share with you, you know, kind of in a similar category, mistakes that you might be making with good intentions, right? This is not to, to say you're doing the wrong thing or, you know, to, to make you feel any particular way. It's all designed to help you identify and to be in action as much as possible. Okay, so things you might be trying to do or things you might be doing to try to make things better. So number one is looking stuff up online after every class. If you find yourself spending more than 10 minutes a week looking stuff up online because you come home from teaching your class and you feel like you didn't know something or you said something or someone asked you a question or whatever it is, that's a sign. That's a sign that something needs to be fixed. The next thing, you're trying to make things better by buying at least a book a month. Yoga books are great. I have a bunch of yoga books. I have yoga books from people I know and respect who've written these books. I've written yoga books. You know, books are great, but books are not the best way to learn. Books in my mind are sort of like a top off. Like the real learning happens when you're with a teacher and you're working with them in a dynamic way, meaning you're on a Zoom call or you're in the same room with them. 
that's where real learning occurs. Now, yes, of course, real learning can occur in, from reading books. I mean, gosh, books have been around forever. For the information, though, that we're needing to learn as yoga teachers and how we need to um, how we need to use it and then share it. I mean, this is I could even go into a whole chat GPT conversation here. This is why the skill of teaching another teacher can never be done by a computer. Like you can go onto chat GPT and say, what are the muscles in the body? Or you could probably even ask, I don't know, I haven't tried this yet. Ask it, how can I share effective yoga cues? But the way to do that and blending that in with how you are and how you think and the help you need has to be done by a skilled yoga teacher. And so this is a perfect example. Like you can look things up online, you can buy a book, but that is a very one-dimensional way to learn. And the looking stuff up online is less about the learning. It's more about the red flag to you that something's not right, that there's a knowledge gap that you have that you're searching to fill by Googling things and that's not gonna work. So the next thing, you're trying to make things better by taking online courses every few months, looking for the answer. Taking online courses uh, every month or so, looking for the answer. So this is kind of like that shiny object syndrome I was mentioning. You're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, you see some ad for something and you think, oh, let me just take this course. Now, I am a huge proponent of continuing education, but it's kind of like you have to get your main house in order as a yoga teacher before you go on and take those one-off courses to deepen your knowledge about one particular thing. So keep that in mind as you're out there and you're looking around and you're thinking about investing in, and I'm, I'm saying just an online course. Like when I talk about my program, there is a course that's part of it, but that's really secondary. The main thing is working with me. Like the live working sessions we have. So just keep in mind, if you're buying a course, that's like basically like a book, it's just online. So yes, there may be video. So that does add a certain dynamic learning quality to it that I think is really helpful for us as yoga teachers. Just keep in mind, that's another sign that something needs to be fixed. Again, if you use that dark room metaphor. The next one, you're trying to make things better by taking specialty trainings, thinking that'll help but knowing it doesn't solve the real problem. The issue here is you may not know it doesn't solve the real pop problem. You may be thinking it's going to. And so that's why I'm here to say gently to kind of sort of nudge you a little bit and say, hello, it's not really going to solve the main problem. Now, if you want to teach restorative yoga, if you want to teach yin yoga, yes, you're going to need um, special training in that area, but that's secondary, the primary things you need, how to skill, how to cue, understanding anatomy, how to build sequences easily, how to share cues confidently, all the way of being qualities that effective teachers, that good teachers need to have, um, not just confidence, but authenticity. That kind of stuff isn't taught in specialty training. So again, those are top-off trainings you know, top off, or again, if you've done all of this initial base building, foundational base building, and now you want to specialize in something, that's a reason to take, to take a training like that. Another thing you might be trying to do to make things better is looking on YouTube daily. So if you find yourself every day on YouTube scrolling through videos, that's a sign that there's something that needs to be addressed. Next thing, scrolling social media after class, looking at other teachers' videos for help. I'm on Instagram, I'm on YouTube, 
I get comments from teachers. I know people are looking at my stuff. That's great. But I would never hold it out as the best way to fix the problems that teachers have. It just takes too long. And the information is all over the place. Matter of fact, I talked to someone today on the phone and she said, I really love your videos, but I I realize as I'm going through them, the stuff is all over the place. So it's really not possible for me to learn what I need to learn in any reasonable time frame by just going through your Instagram. And I was like, bravo, you have just realized something that a lot of teachers don't realize. And again, this is sort of in the category of you're feeling like you're doing something. And I'm not saying you in particular, but maybe this resonates with you. You sort of feel like you're doing something. You're like, oh, I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at these videos and they're about anatomy or they're about cues. And so I'm sort of feeding that side of me that feels like I need to learn more about that. Um, But it's not good enough. And it's probably even just in some ways confusing you more. That's why I, I sort of have a push pull with, should I even be doing how-to videos? I mean, I can tell you that some of the biggest names in social media that have nothing to do with anatomy and yoga, but have everything to do with effective brand building and entrepreneurship and communicating your message, they don't do how-to videos at all because they realized like years ago that all it sort of does is lull lull your audience into just, thinking they're learning enough to get by. And really, if you really want to help people, you have to kind of speak to the mind. And so I'm sort of pulling the curtain back from a little bit of the marketing perspective here. But I want you to hear this because I want you to realize as you're out there as a consumer of this social media machine that we're all consuming on a daily basis, that's part of what's happening out there. And, you know, sometimes I feel like for yoga teachers, you know, when I create these how-to videos, it gives them just, I mean, they're a minute long, these videos. It gives them like a minute's worth of information. However, it's just enough, I think, sometimes to to make things even more confusing. Uh, It's not like I'm going to stop doing them, but I like to blend them in with mindset and other things where I just speak to you on the video. So you can certainly scroll through my page and, and see stuff like that as well. All right, so that there's one more. Uh, you're trying to make things better by thinking as a last resort, spending thousands of dollars, just spending thousands of dollars on another teacher training. And this is really the one that just really pains me because when I see the money spent and then I see the lack of results, um, that really, that just is really such a, such a, bummer, you know, and it's not to say the training wasn't great. The training might've been fantastic. It's just, again, you're trying to turn the light on and you don't know where the light switch is. And so, you know, if, if all of us had all the time and money in the world, we would probably take a lot of different trainings, right? If I had, you know, didn't have any barriers to, to doing training, whether it was time or money or something else, I would probably always be in some sort of yoga training because I love learning. And yet we, you know, most of us just don't have the capacity to do that. So we need to be smart about where are we going to put our time and our money. And so I just wanted to bring this one up because if you're listening right now and you're feeling frustrated as a teacher, maybe, you know, you've been teaching for six months or more, you're 
you're not in a training program right now. So you're sort of out there alone trying to figure things out. Maybe you feel nervous when you teach your classes. Maybe you practice the whole thing with your class. Maybe you're spending more than 15 minutes building your sequences. And maybe you're wondering how to help people with alignment problems. And, you know, those kinds of things, if those sorts of things resonate with you and those are problems you're having, taking a 300 or 500 hour teacher training probably isn't going to hit the nail on the head for you. It's not going to turn the light switch on. So that's why I say, you know, to wrap up this part of the episode today, you know, all of this is really just to put you in the driver's seat, put you in the driver's seat so that you can make really good choices about what do you need so that you can be the best teacher possible. I mean, one of the teachers I talked to this week, she wants to quit her corporate job and teach full time. And I can say, having done that myself many years ago, it's really challenging. It can be done and it's really challenging. So, you know, to do that, you have to really have your house in order. I talked to another teacher who wants to open a studio. You know, there's a lot to opening a studio, but a studio cannot be successful if the owner of the studio has any of these problems that I'm talking about here in this episode. You've got to have your house in order first. It's kind of like getting, here's another metaphor, getting on the plane and putting your oxygen mask on before you help your child. Like you have to get your house in order before you can go out there and open a studio. You can go out there and quit your corporate job and teach full time. You can, you know, start your own program, create your own online program like I have. Like if you're listening right now and any of those things are desires that you have, that's amazing. Like what an amazing vision. So wouldn't you rather as fast as possible get your house in order around these basics of teaching. And, you know, one last thing I'll say on this again, in one of these calls I had this week, the teacher said to me, have you ever heard from other teachers that their 200 hour teacher training just was really lacking in preparing them to teach? And I said to her, absolutely not. I hear that all the time. And again, that is not to defame any particular training. The training is great. Her training was great. She just didn't feel prepared. And so the, the problem there is the training agenda isn't geared to prepare you to teach in the real way you need to be prepared to teach. So the very last thing I'll say on this is that if you're listening and you are a new teacher and you don't feel prepared to teach, you're not alone. Uh, and the final final is, any of this that we're talking about here, so you're a new teacher and you're feeling unprepared, contact me and I'll share with you how you can get started. If you've been teaching more than six months and any of this resonates with you, contact me and I will show you how you can get started. So, you know, either of those categories of teacher, um, you can use me as a contact point to help you uh, get started fixing those problems. Okay, so we're going to make kind of a hard right turn, and we're going to talk about um, the teaching piece that I wanted to get to today. And this is, again, going to be a really brief conversation. It's, it's really part of a bigger conversation, but it gets into a little bit of the nitty gritty around anatomy. And I, I sort of intentionally don't want to bring up some of the deeper topics because they can tend to be a little bit overwhelming if we don't have the basics down. 
So let's get the basics down. So the overall topic is we're going to talk just for a few moments here about different types of stretching. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because stretching as a topic tends to be a word, a topic that gets thrown around a lot in our cues and our sequences and the questions we get from students, because of course, everybody knows, right? That stretching is part of yoga. It's part of what we're doing. And when we really look at what is stretching, that is a whole other topic that we can get into. I mean, we might think of it, if I said to you right now, can you tell me what stretching is? You might say, oh, it's where a muscle gets longer. You might say, oh, it's where the fibers move further apart. Like there's lots of different ways to look at it. You might say, oh, it's where the tissue, the muscle tissue is deformed in some way, not deformed permanently, but the shape of it's changed because of some kind of load being applied to the body. That would be a really amazing answer if you gave it, and it would also be a valid answer. So, you know, there's lots of different ways. And so the first thing I want you to keep in mind is that stretching and what is stretching is not just a, oh, it's when we're tight, we want to stretch and it makes muscles longer. It's not that simple. And I really want to do a hard stop here just for a second to really ensure that you appreciate that because most of your students will not. And if you can appreciate just that uh, aspect of stretching, that it is so much more than just this sort of cartoony idea that we have that the muscle gets longer, that is a huge realization. And again, it, it opens us into a lot of other conversations we can have that we're not going to have today, but I wanted to at least just bring that up. So now that we've talked about that, let's talk about the some of the different types of stretching that there is, because you're probably already doing these things in your classes, but you might not actually realize there are different types. So think about when you bring your students into a low lunge and they stay there. That is an, ex now I'm saying a low lunge where it is um, not passive, like they're not in pigeon, just flopped to the floor. They're in a low lunge and they're using their arms to hold themselves up but they're not moving. So that would be considered a static stretch. They're holding, static, mean, static meaning holding, they're holding their body in one position. They're not moving. However, they are using their arms and legs to stabilize themselves in a particular position. So they need to use some level of muscular control, skeletal muscular, muscular control to maintain the shape. There is a defined shape to what they're doing. So that would be considered a static stretch. You know, another example of that might be if you come into warrior one and once you get there, which of course involves movement, you stay in it for five breaths. That's a static stretch. You're in that posture in a static way for any number of breaths. Now, keep in mind, little sidebar here, that one of the forces always acting upon the body is gravity. Another force might be if uh, you're doing some kind of yoga where your students are holding weights, right? Another force might be if you have one body part touching another body part, like your arms leaning on your leg or your foot's pressing into the inner thigh, like in tree. So forces can act upon the body as well as gravity. And these are all things that can contribute to the effort that the body has to exert to maintain the shape. But in these examples I'm giving you here, these are static stretches. The person's not moving. So the opposite of static, 
I don't know if it's literally the opposite from a biomechanical standpoint, but generally what we could say is the opposite of static. If static is stable, the opposite would be moving or dynamic. So a dynamic stretch would be one where we're moving. So let's say you take somebody from low lunge to pyramid pose or from warrior two to reverse warrior to side angle lunge. Let's say in each of those shapes, you hold them in one of, you know, in each shape itself, but getting them there is the movable part. So that could be an example of dynamic stretching. So of course, when we're doing uh, sun salutation A and sun salutation B, and we're taking people through those in a repeatable way, two, three, and four cycles, that's dynamic stretching. Now, a little sidebar here, there's also strengthening that's happening as well, but without getting into too much detail here, you know, just keep that as a frame of reference too, because in every yoga pose, there are elements of both strengthening and lengthening. If we look at the muscles, we're looking for muscles that are concentrically contracting versus muscles that are eccentrically lengthening. So that's how in every pose you get a blend of both. If you look at it through the yogic lens, we can talk of, talk about it as stira versus sukha. So these are a lot of these terms, we can look at it through different lenses. So then the last type of stretching that I'm going to talk about today, there's more, but there's actually five, but I'm going to just talk about three. The last type of stretching is ballistic stretching. So ballistic stretching is referring to bouncing. <clears throat> so let's say you had, uh, let's say you had your students doing a standing squat and you had them bounce up and down, or let's say you had them in a low lunge and you had them sort of add a little bouncing to it. I'm not exactly sure why you would do that, but you could do it. <laughs> um, so that would be an example of dynamic stretching. So static, dynamic, ballistic. And um, there are different reasons to use different types. You can start to use these different types in your sequencing or even, you know, better yet, don't change anything in your sequencing but just recognize as you're teaching what different things are happening. So that I want to just kind of button that up as the conversation uh, from a movement perspective, more in the teaching and anatomy category. And the final thing I want to say before I wrap up is number, I just want to sort of number one, give a shout out to you if you are new here or if you have been here for a while. I also want to give a shout out to any yoga teacher who has commented on my social pages or sent me an email or a DM or something that they love the podcast. If you've done that, I want to really just acknowledge you for doing that. And I really appreciate it. And I also want to acknowledge any yoga teacher. If you're one of the yoga teachers who's commented on any of my posts lately, just with enthusiastic, like, love this. This is great. This is really helpful. I just want to give you a shout out. I also want to share with you a really inspiring story. And if she's listening, I want to, Catherine, I want to give you a shout out. I had a coaching call with one of the teachers in my program this week. She lives in Germany. She is a colonel in the U.S. Army and has been a colonel in the U.S. Army for years. She is also a yoga teacher and she is teaching yoga to the uh, service people in her unit who are paratroopers, paratroopers, like jumping out of planes. <laughs> and as a result, they have unique um, characteristics about their bodies. I mean, not unique in a 
not unique, but just from a movement perspective. So they have a lot of issues with joints. I mean, they have to shore up the muscles of their body to be able to absorb the ground reaction forces of jumping out of a plane and landing on the ground at velocity, right? Um, and obviously a lot of standing on the feet, a lot of wearing big, heavy boots. So there's a lot of things we talked about on our coaching call that had to do with how could she build sequencing that would really help address some of the physical uh, challenges that they're having around uh, tight hamstrings and limited ankle mobility. And we were talking about limitations in squats where most of our students have to lift their heels. And why does that happen? I mean, so much freaking good stuff happened on this call. And one of the really interesting things that she shared is that because she's a colonel in the army, she outranks all of her students. So I want you to like, just imagine that, that paradigm, that scenario where in real life, you outrank all the people that are in your class. And part of your job is to order them, to give them orders. And now you're teaching them yoga. And you know, as well as I know that when you're teaching yoga, you don't want to be ordering anybody around. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, A Few Good Men, that classic old movie with Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, and Jack Nicholson. And there's a scene, I'm a huge movie buff, and there's a pivotal scene in that movie where they go out to Guant Guantanamo and they're sitting at the table, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Jack Nicholson, and they're having this conversation and they want to know what happened with the code red and all of that. And Demi Moore keeps trying to speak directly to Jack Nicholson, who is the colonel. And Tom Cruise keeps trying to shut her up. And she keeps persisting. And finally, Jack Nicholson lights up a cigar and he goes, you know what? I just realized something. She outranks you. And what he meant in that situation, in that scene, was that he realized then why she was continuing to persist in trying to ask him her question about the code red, even though Tom Cruise was trying to shut her up. She knew she could continue to persist in questioning because she outranked Tom Cruise. Now think about this teacher in my program, she outranks her students. And now she doesn't want to assert that rank. She wants to almost subvert it a little bit. She wants to almost kind of put it to the side and be more of a guide. And so we talked a little bit about how can she do that? How can she, you know, kind of be the facilitator, be the leader, but not be the colonel. So, you know, this is the kind of thing. And, you know, this is as I'm wrapping up here in, in the last two minutes here, this is the kind of thing I absolutely love about working with teachers one-on-one -on -one, is that you get into this level of personalized support. And this is one of the things I want you to hear. You know, if you ever decide or you're out there right now listening and thinking about enrolling, this is the kind of personalized support you are never going to get in a group training. And quite honestly, you wouldn't even get if we work together one-on-one -on -one in a group. This only happens inside the container of my program because we really have the time to get into it. And it's not that it takes a lot of time. It's that it's formatted to really give you an opportunity to share exactly what you need to learn, want to learn, and in a way that meets you where you're at. So I just wanted to give her a shout out 
for the amazing, and of course, thank her for her service. And you, if you're listening and, and you're uh, in, in the service, thank you for your service. Thank all the service people all around the world. Um, and that's just another story that I thought would be would be interesting just to give you an idea of how many different ways people are out there sharing yoga. Because ultimately, that is you know, the ripple effect that we want to happen when you're out there teaching your classes and your students go home and they're in a better frame of mind and they can move better in their bodies. That's the ripple effect from them being in your class. And when they leave your class and they take themselves home and they're in that better frame of mind and they're interacting better with their families and they can get up the next day and get out of bed and have better mobility when they're sitting at their desks and they can get up and do a quick stretch that you taught them in class, <clears throat> that's the ripple effect in action. <clears throat> so these are all the things that happen because they come to your class. And so the more we can all strive to be the best teachers possible, the bigger the ripples we send out in the world and the bigger an impact yoga has throughout all those different places and ways. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. I want to thank you so much for uh, for listening. And I will talk to you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop page And I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page, and it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes that you wanna devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. And all of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, 
then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus, sharing a little bit and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.